Welcome to another straight-talking, robust conversation on What the Prophets Say podcast with me, Emma Stark, and... Sam Robertson. Sam Robertson. Here we are again, Sam. How are you doing today? Yes, good. Um, We are on a roll with some of our favourite subjects, aren't we? We are. Controversial subjects, yes. Yes, yes. And here we are, ready to go again with the successful church versus the victorious church. And let's just say, Sam, this concept of the kingdom of God, I think, is front and centre of what every church leader should be talking about, Mm. what every believing house group should be talking about. Am I activated as a Kingdom of God member, bringing the Kingdom, bringing a challenge to the Kingdoms of this world? Totally. I mean, if you're a parent and you're wondering what to talk to your children about when it comes to Jesus just now, the kingdom of God. If you're a church leader and you feel like you have taught every series to ever exist, every sermon series, the kingdom of God is where the anointing is. If you want to know what to study, even in your own personal times with God, your own study times with God, the kingdom of God is where we really want to be anchored, I think, right now. And we've been on this journey for a couple of years, yes. probably since um, the pandemic and lockdown started and I I mean I can say for myself and I know it'll be true for a lot of us it is utterly revolutionary the more you anchor yourself in the truth of the kingdom of God it's funny how it sneaks out in conversation (laughs) I was in the school uh, with my daughter and uh, her high school and um, she was struggling with her maths Mm. class and Uh, She actually does a journalism and law degree and she's top of her year now. She's a clever wee thing. Yeah, she's epic. But maths was never her strong suit. And she she would go into that classroom. I mean, fear, anxiety, you know, all of that would come up. So I remember going into the class for a parent's evening and sitting with the teacher and we were, she was just, oh, you know, this is dreadful. Jessica can't cope with maths. And I just said to her, I am from a different kingdom. <laughs> and I remember the look on the teacher's face like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you, this woman? you alien, you know, yeah. I am from a different kingdom. And I said, I will not let the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of darkness slime my daughter in your yeah. class. <laughs> and in the name of Jesus, I bind all anxiety demons and all fear demons when she is in your class and I lock them in the name of Jesus in the cupboard at the back of your room so that Jessica can can sit in the kingdom of God and do her mass and I remember saying that and the teacher just I mean she had no No grid for anything that I was saying at all I think she was terrified to go to the the room at the back of the classroom probably the cupboard (laughs) what because the demons are there yes I'm sure that I'm sure the teachers looked forward to whenever they saw your and David's names on the, the the parents evening list but the joy of all of that is you provoke this conversation of oh there's something more there's something different and I think in all of us Christians and not yet Christians there is a sense that there is something more Mm, totally and most people like for instance Jessica's school teacher have not thought outside their own little world yes they've not considered that there might be something outside their own little way of doing things and actually in that moment though the teacher probably had quite the face on her in response and was probably a bit shocked like where did this come from it provokes her to think 
outside. And the testimony is that actually Jessica would go in and she would start to thrive in that class she supernaturally. Did. And the teacher watched after you locked the demons in the cupboard, Jessica shoot up some levels. Well, can I tell you, she actually got a maths qualification. Totally. And we, you know, have our jaws you know, we shouldn't be so disbelieving. But like, oh my yeah. goodness. All the teachers said she wouldn't, but she All did. the teachers said she wouldn't, but the kingdom of God Absolutely. stepped in and we put it into that classroom. I'm having... <laughs> and the demons into the cupboard. I travel a lot, as you know, and um, I'm in and out of Glasgow Airport. I mean, it's almost like a second home. It's slightly tragic. <laughs> yeah. But um, I go through a... Um, uh, the duty free and there's a, a little concession of Joe Malone and Bobby Brown perfume and makeup. Yes. One of my favourite little I've destinations. Many times travelling with you. You have visited many times travelling with me. And there is a lady in there who I see on my travels. I I, I don't know how else I would find her yeah. apart from at the concession stall um, in Glasgow Airport. And I got talking to her one visit and I've had maybe about four or five conversations on different flight days. So I've now become her spiritual coach. And <laughs> I, I, actually, to be fair, I can't actually remember her name. Um, but, but she'll smell great because she, she's in Joe Malone. She smells great. <laughs> and we started the conversation with, um, what do you do for a living? Oh, I see in the spirit realm. Yeah. I said to her, I can partner with the spirit realm. <gasps> so can I, she says. Wow. I'm like, oh, Great opportunity. So we have gone on this journey where I have said to her, your spirit guides are not good for you. Would you be open to connecting with the Holy Spirit? So I gave her homework. She said to me one day, I tried to connect with the Holy Spirit, but um, all these other spirits came forward. And I'm saying to her, you do realize that there's a kingdom of dark spirits, demons, and a kingdom of good spirits, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and his angels. It was like a light went on in her that she could actually choose which spirits she connected with and that they were in two different armies or two different kingdoms. So so now... When I went in, she has banished, she's not saved yet, it's a journey, I'm working on it with her. She has banished, in the name of Jesus, all the the the, the spirits from the kingdom of darkness, wow. even though she hasn't got full revelation of Jesus Christ uh-huh. yet, and she is talking to the Holy Spirit wow. and Jesus Christ of Nazareth, because she's now understood why she had so many problems in the spirit That's realm. Amazing. Because she didn't know there were two kingdoms and totally. that she got to choose who she partnered with. Totally. And you see that, like, you know, she wasn't scared when you had that conversation. Not at all. She wasn't shut down. She just needed someone, what, to show her that there was a world outside her world. <laughs> to show her there was yes. something bigger than her that she could be a part of. And time and time again, we see that happen i mean how many stories could we share oh, i have to tell you because i've not seen you to tell you this but I'll tell you live in a podcast okay do you remember when you and i and my husband where were we flying and we went for pcr tests yes uh, we yes we were flying to uh, the we were going on the first flight to america after the pandemic and we're standing in the queue for pcr tests <laughs> at the airport and uh i go first because we need to you know a negative she goes first for a two minute Rapid antigen test. Emphasis on rapid. (laughs) And I have such a big, loud voice. And the woman says, what do you do for a living? Oh, 
I'm a prophet. I hear from God. And she says, what does God say for me? So the whole queue is hearing me. The whole queue. <laughs> prophesy over this lady. And all we're saying is, oh, we're here. So David and I, so Emma went first for our two minute rapid antigen test. David and I went to another stall. We came out, we're sat down for about 40 minutes well, Emma gets her two-minute rapid antigen test. But all we can hear is, it's the name of Jesus. No, not any of those other things you say. The name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. That's because what you're she, saying. Because she had poltergeists. Totally. And because she had been to a spiritualist for a reading yes. and had accidentally, she said, everything she said would happen to my daughter for the negative mm, happened. happened. And I said, no, 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 no. She wasn't prophesying. She was cursing. Yeah. And in the name of Jesus, and I'm talking to her about two kingdoms and that her daughter was cursing cursed through a spiritualist psychic medium Absolutely. in the name of Jesus. Well, can I tell you, last week, I'm back in the queue for another PCR test, back to America with my daughter. I don't recognize her. Oh, she's there. She's there. She says, I did your test before. You're the angel woman, she says. <laughs> so yeah, That's me. <laughs> that's me. So I sit down. What do I... So, how is your daughter? Now, remember... Yeah that the blessings come from the kingdom of God, not from the kingdom of darkness. Yeah. She's like, ooh, you know. So I'm like, can I buy you a Starbucks? You know, at the end, this is me buying her coffee because she's like, wow, you people who work for the kingdom of God are so generous and amazing. Seriously, wow. that's the conversation I have with her. This is, you can tell my life is in an airport. It's either the PCR woman or it's the Joe Malone woman. Or the Starbucks in the yeah, airport yeah, yeah, yeah. as well. Yeah, but the point of it is that the conversation is seasoned with the concepts that it's not just that you choose between Satan and God, but that you are choosing a kingdom to join totally. who has a leader. Each kingdom yeah. has a leader. Totally. And it's who you are. It's who we are. So it's not like a, a conversation that you have to work yourself up to. It's the natural response. When that comes out, when someone says something, it's the natural response because it's a core truth. Do you know, let me tell you about the two kingdoms. Yes, yes. And that's, that's, our, that's the response and it leads people in. And I know we said it, I think, on episode one, but people are more open to the conversation than you think. They are so much more open to the conversation because they want to, to see that there's something bigger than them. So let's talk uh, about the difference between the gospel of the kingdom and the gospel of salvation. You see, if we're talking about the successful church, yeah. which, remember, is the error. Do not want to be successful. Do not want world standards for success. Mm. You have a gospel called the gospel of salvation, whereas the victorious church has the gospel of the kingdom. Yep. This is massive. Huge, huge. And the gospel of salvation is not what you want. Now, you're probably going to be shouting at us, well, what, you know, surely we weren't saved. So how does the gospel of salvation work? Let's unpack that. So the gospel of salvation is, I mean, we want salvation. Yes. We want that saved, healed, delivered. We talked about that earlier. But the goal is that you get someone to pray the sinner's prayer, to repent, to come into the kingdom, to get baptized, and then we wipe our hands 
we're done and it's very static in that sense it, so the, the problem with the gospel of salvation is this it is making jesus a personal savior yep. and jesus in the new testament is never once described as a personal savior oh, oh some ho, buttons ho. pressed there we press some buttons now does he save you individually yes and does he save you one at a time Yes. And do you come to him as an individual? Yes. But he is not a personal savior. And once you come to Jesus and you say, oh, sign this pledge, say this sinner's prayer, Jesus is now in your heart and Jesus is your personal savior, which is our language. We have lied (laughs) and we have led people into a concept that I have a Jesus in the sky who is my personal savior, who is like a vending machine in heaven, who just disseminates down to me my personal blessings. He does my bidding because he's my personal savior. I have him boxed up as my personal savior. And yes, I had a moment where I acknowledged that I needed saving, but most of the time, the concept of the personal savior puts you in a place where you are in the driving seat because you have this personal savior, a bit like you have a personal genie in a bottle. Totally. And you train people to diminish Jesus. Absolutely. And then you get bothered that they're selfish. (laughs) And then you get bothered (laughs) that they won't serve in church. But you set them up to not serve in church. You set them up to not work. You set them up to be, um, you know, just all out for their own benefit because you taught them that Jesus is their personal saviour. Absolutely. And we turn Jesus then in that into a vending machine. I come up, put my money in and get what I want and leave. I put my magic prayer in. I've done my quiet times. Jesus must want me rich. Because we want more. I I think our big error in that with the gospel of salvation is we want more from Jesus rather than more of Jesus. And they're two very different things that actually I can want more from God. I can want his works, his blessings. But actually that's not what changes us, nor is it what changes a nation or a people. It is wanting more of God. We want Jesus. Jesus, and Jesus is a king, and he comes with his kingdom. Therefore, when I get saved, I get saved. Have you ever thought this? I get saved into a community. I get saved into a city. Yes. I get saved into a people. And your salvation is meant to be a corporate experience, not Come an on. individual experience. How often have you prayed that in a salvation prayer? Well, I mean, so here is the difference. When you come to the gospel of the kingdom... Yeah. There's no personal Jesus, meek and mild, do my bidding. When you come to the gospel of the kingdom, what does scripture say? You must confess. Let's Let's go through the process of getting saved in scripture. Number one. I repent of my sins. Mm-hmm. So I acknowledge that I'm doing... That I'm a sinner. That I'm a sinner. Yeah. Number two, you confess Jesus to be what? Not saviour. Or friend. <laughs> you confess Jesus to be Lord. In other words, I repent of my sin. I confess Jesus to be Lord. In other words, at the point of my salvation, I enter into a kingdom with a king, with a Lord who happens to save me, but I bow low in smallness to his great king 
ship, his magisterial glory, mm. and I come in the door of the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom, where I am part of something bigger than myself that is an increasing kingdom, not Jesus, you be my personal savior. Absolutely. And then I understand that I don't just come to church to get something, but that I am part of a family of God that is increasing his kingdom. Yeah. And after I have confessed my sins, acknowledged Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I then, what does scripture say next? I am then filled with the Spirit, and then I am believer baptized. And this process of salvation that gets me, yes, my name in the Lamb's Book of Life, but also gets me into this place where I am an active member and citizen of the kingdom of God. Totally. And that just blows kind of the roof off how narrow we've made salvation and even our salvation prayers i mean yes. how about right rewriting a couple of those and i accept my citizenship and the kingdom of god i accept it and i walk into it after you repent and you acknowledge and confess that jesus christ is lord and i think that is why because we 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 pray that Jesus would save us personally, and we don't pray that Jesus, uh, that we, we don't confess that Jesus is Lord in our salvation prayers. It's why we have such a trouble understanding him as king and yes. as someone to be obeyed and as someone who sometimes does judge and absolutely sometimes does act with justice and does have wrath and does have anger. Why? Because we teach people, oh, he's just about you. He's just about meeting your needs. And we have created a transactional Christianity, a transactional place. And then, as you said, we then complain when people just want to turn up and, and for, for, and transaction. Church, for transaction, for transaction, Why? because you know, they're, they're treating you as they treat Jesus. They're treating you as you prayed and they want Jesus to do things for them without. I don't think we could underestimate the legacy of problems that we have created by preaching a gospel, a, a successful church model of the gospel of salvation, totally. rather than the victorious church model of the gospel of the kingdom. We've now got to see that the successful church model of the gospel of salvation is not right, is not what we want, has created a host of issues in our people. Mm who are there for all about themselves by accident because we led them that way versus the victorious church that says, buy low and at your salvation, you acknowledge a king who already exists. And I love um, Psalm 23. Mm. And it's not, um, my friend is my shepherd. He looks <laughs> after me. He makes me lie down. The Lord is my shepherd. And it is saying, yes, I am nurtured and looked after, but by who? The Lord. The Lord. In other words, I'm acknowledging that even in the times where I need nurture and care, it is a Lord and a king yeah. who nurtures and looks after me. I mean, you even hear that in the force. It's not, and he invites you to snuggle in with him or he yes. asks your permission if you would like to have a sleep. He makes you lie down because he knows what's because best. Because he's the king. He's the king, and he says, you will lie down. You actually now, in my kingship, because I know what's best, this is what I'm telling you to do. 
So you can understand, I think, why we have created this beast, if that's the right word, we now call church, which is washed with entitlement Mm -hmm. and washed with a sense of I can criticize because he's my personal savior. It's my truth. Yeah. And no sense of the structure of a government of the kingdom of God round about us. Mm. This is a conversation you must have with your children. They must be weaned on the concept of the two kingdoms. Totally. We don't want this to be a struggle for the generations to come in the way that it has for us. And how do you eliminate that struggle? Well, you just talk about it, talk about it, talk about it, talk about it. Yes, he's the king, he's the king. Absolutely. He's the king. He's the king. He's the king. So actually, I think when we pray, if you start to say, you know, my king, Mm -hmm. I come to worship you. My king, I come to repent. And you pray and meditate on his, his magisterial kingship and his lordship. You are the Lord. You will actually course correct some stuff out of your life from your demanding you need to fix me Mm. and sometimes god says i'm the king i need your life to do this and it's actually different from the vision we have for our own lives yeah totally and i think as well we've got to acknowledge people do have a desire for a king and when we don't demonstrate the the trueness the the rightness of the kingship of jesus they look elsewhere you know we're in the the british isles and very recently we um celebrated the queen's jubilee Um, and and as much as it's nice to kind of celebrate some of our nation's history the people's utter elation obsession with a throne Mm -hmm. just exposed particularly to me how much people long for a king and you see that with israel and our days are no different now they wanted a king why because they weren't yet acknowledging the fullness of the kingship of Christ. And I think when we see that, whether it's people longing for a president or longing for a king or longing for a monarchy, whatever it is, I think a lot of that longing is misplaced because the church, I don't think, has fully demonstrated that she is a people who belongs to it. To a, a king, king. And, a, and a nation. And a nation. A, a, and a kingdom. And it, it's fascinating to me, you know, watching, uh, you, uh, le- leading, I mean, you're in your, your late 20s now, and we have a lot of people around about us who are a lot younger, yeah. and having three teenagers myself at 19 and 15 and 14 at the moment, you see the culture, um, you're millennial, Sam, what would they be, Jen? Z, Z they, they are. Yeah. And um, I, I'm Gen X or... Uh, uh, I think, um, but the push into m- my truth, totally, um, independence, yeah. um, have it your way. You know the Burger King totally. generation, whatever way you want it at, at BK, have it your way. You know it, it's that kind of like washing individualism, individualism, really. my rights type culture. Yeah, the God of self, really. Isn't it is it? the God of self. What fascinates me in all of that is the irony of the fact that we have a suicide epidemic Massively. because people don't feel they belong. Absolutely. And you push people into this, my way, mm. my choice, my truth, which is actually a deepening of the concept of the gospel of salvation where I get to pick my, my saviour who works for me and does my bidding. Mm. 
And the sin of that concept pushes into a culture. And then the problem is that you have lost all sense of belonging. Totally. And why do we have um, the self-harm epidemic? Why do we have the pornography epidemic? Why do we have, as we deal, you know, with our children, um, the epidemic of of this loneliness and what it produces? Mm. Because nobody has ever said there is a belonging to a king who, yes, will save you individually and be with you because he is Emmanuel, the God with his people, but that you get to be part of an entire kingdom. Totally. And people want to belong. Mm. Oh, people are longing for that. And actually, when we talk, as we did in our very first episode, about the days of harvest, Mm. how is this harvest going to come? Well, in our boldness, in our courage, as we talked about in episode one, but it's going to come through the sharing of the fact that you can belong to a king and a kingdom Mm. who, yes, will save you and restore and rescue you as an individual person, but you will get to belong to something of which there will be no end of the increase of his government and peace. There will be no end. The advancing of the kingdom. And that's why we pray not thy salvation come. We pray something bigger in the Lord's prayer, thy kingdom Kingdom come. come. And almost the sense there of the revolutionary nature of saying thy kingdom come. I tell you, if you want your children healed and you want your teenagers healed, you must express to them the the ability to belong to a kingdom. Totally. And I think as well, we've got to be careful. I understand when people pray, let heaven come but I think that doesn't shape us maybe with with that word as much as let your kingdom come that the key here is the word king I think what always strikes me when we look at you know some of the issues that you were naming there Emma with suicide and you know we're we're in the days of where I think there's something like a hundred thousand different self-help books uh, published every month uh, across the world and yet mental health is declining at a rate it's never before. Worst. People yeah. have no idea how to help themselves. I think it's because we're asking the wrong question. Yes. And we're asking the question, who am I? And we're asking this over, who am I? Who am I? And our fascination with identity, I think, is so misplaced, to be honest. Now, I get mm. we need to talk about identity, but this is a little bit of a soapbox. I think our, our, our fascination with teaching on identity is misplaced and a wrong priority. When Jesus takes the disciples to uh, the gates of hell on earth, he asks them one question, who do you say that I am? And that is the one question that then defines who they are to be. And I think our confusion, our confusion over our identity, our sense of self, our sense of well-being Mm. is not because we've nailed who, who am I? But yeah. it's because we're not asking the question and understanding who is God. Who is and God? actually, when you properly understand that Jesus is king, when you properly understand who yeah. God is, some of those issues that you continually battle about insecurity, about self-rejection, self-harm, suicide, depression, whatever it may be, they are eliminated but just by being anchored in the truth of who is God. It's very reminiscent of that A.W. Tozer quote. Yes. We've, we've quoted it for years back and forth to each other. Yeah. Um, what you, who think, you, yeah. what what you, you think, about? think about God is the most important thing about you. Totally. What you think about God is 
the most important thing about you. It's the thing that defines you, ultimately. So if you see him just as the saviour in the sky... Now, he is the saviour. We don't undermine that. But he is the king. Totally. And you are waiting for an entire descending kingdom. You are not just waiting for Jesus to come back, although that is obviously central. But he comes with his kingdom. He comes with his entire government. He comes with a descending city. He does. Absolutely. And when we say the gospel of salvation is is, is not where we want to be, it's not that we're saying, let's not talk about salvation, but it's so, it's literally 5% of actually even the gospel of the kingdom. And the gospel of the kingdom includes salvation, but so much more. And it's so much broader than than just what we've taught. I think this truth alone, and we've lots more to say in our next episode about the difference between the successful church and the victorious church uh, we could talk for years about this uh, and we might uh, but, <laughs> totally. but this sense of this grotesque error at the heart of expressing who jesus is mm. yeah and the litany of disaster that has come forth from it absolutely and here we measure a successful church by numbers who raise a hand, come to the front, sign a pledge, say Jesus is my personal saviour. And it is a completely ridiculous measurement. Totally. Because people don't stay in that place because they have lost all sense of I joined something bigger than me in a king and a kingdom. And lost their sense of belonging. And you can understand when we pull the concept of the successful church and we put it against the victorious church just how much course correction that we need to go and i think it is a severe course correction that god has us on so 180 almost It, it really is why why does this matter because jesus wants to marry the church the bride who has made herself ready and you make yourself ready by these conversations with very difficult truth now i'm going to give you a cliffhanger my friends we are going to talk about sexual perversion in worship performance in worship oh listen we're gonna go there because the successful church has made worship a mockery of what it should be Mm -hmm. but god has houses of worship and a victorious worshipping church to come. So join us next episode at this What the Prophets Say with Emma Stark joined with Sam Robertson. See you soon. Thank you for listening to another episode of What the Prophets Say with me, Emma Stark. You clearly ooze stamina. May I gently encourage you to jump over to our website, propheticscots.com, where you can download my e-course, The Prophetic Warrior, nine highly interactive sessions that will equip and train you to hear the voice of God with ease. Make sure that you subscribe and like and share this podcast. You don't want to miss all the things we have coming up for you.